Labyrinths is brought to you by Knox Robinson Productions. Please consider becoming a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you can listen to Labyrinths ad-free. Visit patreon.com slash Robinson to learn more. Welcome back, listeners. Since our launch last October, we've brought you stories of getting lost and getting found, of being stuck in the labyrinth of your own life. We've had some amazing guests, like Andrew Yang, Malcolm Gladwell, John Ronson, Dave Navarro, and LeVar Burton. And we moved week by week from the tragic to the humorous to the controversial. We were nominated for a Webby Award for our episode with Samantha Geimer about her rape by Roman Polanski. And we occasionally got personal, discussing the lasting fallout of my wrongful conviction, like our episode about the release of Meredith Kircher's killer, Rudy Gaudet. If you haven't binged our first 25 episodes, there's no time like the present. As we move ahead, though, we'll be doing things a little differently. We're going to deep dive into subjects like the ethics of true crime journalism, psychedelic mushrooms, and the satanic panic, giving each of these labyrinths its own multi-part miniseries. We'll still have standalone interviews with fascinating guests and lots of bonus content for our Patreon subscribers. But for now, we're getting more personal than we ever have and bringing you our first miniseries, Infertility. This is part one of five. It's something you likely don't think much about until you start trying to conceive. Like a lot of people, we were naive. We thought it was a straight line from unprotected sex to baby. We were wrong, painfully wrong. Feeling lost? Then you're in the right place. I'm Amanda Knox. And I'm Christopher Robinson. And this is Labyrinths. I remember being very excited to take out my IUD. <laughs> yeah, you were a little too excited. You were like asking me before we got married, right? Yeah, well, I was thinking, what's the harm in taking out my IUD two weeks before the wedding? What did you get pregnant right then? <laughs> yeah, you were really like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want another potential thing to think about. Okay, fair enough. But I was excited to go to the Planned Parenthood. That was where I went to go make sure that things were going all right. It's where I got prescribed birth control. Yeah, it's the place you went to to make sure that you didn't have babies. Exactly. It's a place that I relied on that I still think of fondly because I really appreciated how they were there for me in that period of my life where I'm a sexual being, but I'm not ready to be a mom. And they were always there for me. And every time I went in to get a prescription refilled or something like that, they always checked in and they were like, how are you doing emotionally? How are your relationships? How are your partnerships? So I felt really supported by Planned Parenthood. I'm so grateful for Planned Parenthood. And then to like finally be able to go and be like, you remember how you're called Planned Parenthood? I'm planning that shit. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a really great feeling. And of course, you know, the doctor's like, oh, exciting. Congratulations. Then we had the whole IUD debacle. I know. It broke as they were trying to take it out. Yeah. they They were like, oh, it's this easy procedure, no problems. And then they were like, oh, 
crap, you're going to have to go downtown to the specialist who's going to like fish it out. It felt like when you drop like a screw behind the washing machine and you're like, <laughs> oh, no, get a coat hanger with a magnet on it. Well, let's see if <laughs> shine the light, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So already that was like, huh, that was more hard than it should have been. But it's not like that was a foreboding of things to come kind of thing. It was just sort of a weird blip. But that blip taken care of, it was time to get down to business. Naturally, or perhaps unnaturally, we busted out the recorder to talk to our future child. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Wow, we're about to make you. <laughs> or at least try. I just got out of the shower and... And then your mom was like, well... And I was like, now? Can't it be 30 years from now? <laughs> Yeah, we just came back from the doctor's office, and my one little bit of IUD was ready to pop out, and now he's ready to pop you in. <laughs> and the coronavirus is ravaging society. We're losing work. And we might lose our house. It's a weird time to be thinking about this, about you. But as they say, there's no right time, there's just the time. It's just the time. All right, well, this probably makes you uncomfortable, but I'm going to go bang your mom now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, listener, but as soon as we even thought about conceiving, I was already talking to my baby. I was recording messages he or she would see someday. Honestly, imagining how embarrassed they'd be was part of the fun. <sighs> oh, man. So, if all went according to plan, um, what's happening right now? Yeah, I've got my legs up in the air and my butt under a pillow to try to let whichever little sperm you are get this fighting chance. <laughs> and we have to sit here for like 10 minutes? Yeah. Hope you exist in 10 minutes. <laughs> One thing that was on my mind was a lot of the girls on my soccer team have already had kids, numerous kids. One of my girlfriends from soccer almost died giving birth. Wow. And some of them had had a lot of trouble and had been trying to have babies for like years. And I was aware that other people were having problems, but like the thing that went through my head was, I hope they don't get mad at me when it's easy for me. I just sort of assumed that it would be easy for me. Why did you assume that? I don't know. Uh, one of my best friends used to say that I just reeked of fertility. <laughs> <laughs> I've got those birthing hips and I just have this motherly vibe already. I'm like a Disney princess in the forest with the animals flocking to her. So like, of course it would be easy for her, you know, and things are easy for me. I'm not the kind of person who had to struggle in school. It's weird to say I'm Amanda Knox and things are easy for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... well, your mid-20s were kind of hard. <laughs> the mid-20s were a setback. <laughs> but yeah, you normally when, I, when it comes to things, when I try things, I can do them. And lo and behold, we got pregnant very fast. Gosh, do you remember seeing that pregnancy test? Yes, I do, because we were at my mom's house. I peed on the stick and then I set it on the table and I was waiting for it to do the results. 
She looked before I did. She saw looked it. before you did. Yeah. <laughs> and and she went, oh! <laughs> and I was like, Mom, Chris <laughs> is right now across the room. <laughs> but um, it was positive. Yeah. And of course, I'm thinking, yay, of course it's positive. Why wouldn't it be? Because we're doing everything right. And so we started living in the future as parents. We're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's weird, isn't it? Like, I've never been pregnant before, and now I am. <laughs> that's cool. We're going to have a baby. Do you think that he or she is going to have your nose or my nose? Hmm. I do have a pretty prominent nose. I have a cute little button nose. Do you think they're going to have blue eyes or brown eyes? And then from there... We had to wait until our first ultrasound. But meanwhile, we're already getting the, like, baby room set up. Yeah, we started painting that big mural on the baby room wall. That was a really fun, big project. How long did we work Gosh, on that? a month. Yeah. Every night sitting in the baby room painting this mural of an otherworldly alien planet on the other end of a uh, Stargate portal. Yeah. And then also painting the mountain landscapes on the side. Yeah. We were nesting hard. We're the kind of people where that baby room is going to be like decked out. Yeah. Months before the baby comes. Yeah. Sometime around there, Mother's Day is coming up. Mm, yes. And we're thinking, who do we tell people? It's early. But like, let's tell our moms. Let's tell oh, our families. Yeah. I cross-stitched little fetuses. <laughs> yeah. Three-inch little circular cross-stitch with a cute little fetus yeah. image. And I framed them. And, and then, then on Mother's Day, we gave our parents these little gifts. Another one? Are you pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And moms were so thrilled. Oh, yeah. The dads were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. was a little bit disappointed that the dads weren't more excited. My dad was like, good for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean good for me? Good for you. You're going to be yeah, a grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> How do you pass up the opportunity to tell your mom on Mother's Day that she's going to be a grandma? Yeah, so... So we did. So we did. And then a week or two later, we have our first ultrasound. Do yeah. you remember walking into that appointment? I do. You weren't allowed to come. Yeah. Because of COVID. So you sweetly accompanied me, but had to stand outside in the hallway by the elevators and zoom in on my phone. And they had to do a vaginal ultrasound. So got into the stirrups. And they go in there, and their first response was, when was your last period? And are you sure about the timing? I'm thinking, that's not good. Yeah. I know that that's not good. Did they say it's a smaller than it should be? Yes. Before even inserting the wand, they were like, we're going to hear the heartbeat today. And so I was expecting to hear a heartbeat. 
And they found the worm, but they didn't find the heartbeat. And they said, it's looking like you're early. Come back in a week. Maybe you're just off by a week. Right. And we're thinking, well, your cycles could be off. The IUD just got removed. Your body's getting back into a rhythm. It took a while for your period to come back. Is it possible that the timing was sort of weird and actually... And actually that could have been true. six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It measured as six weeks, even though it was supposed to be eight weeks. And so they said to come back in a week because by then we should know. I remember putting a lot of faith in that thought that like we probably just counted wrong. Yeah. Is that what you thought? Um, no. I, um, I knew something was wrong. I knew that there should have been a heartbeat. And I kind of got the feeling that the technician knew Mm. and didn't want to tell me. I even called up one of my girlfriends. They were like, how did, how did it go? And I was like, well, this happened. And my girlfriend who had gone through struggles was like, oh. I was like, you know what that means, don't you? And she was like, well, I know what it could mean, but let's talk about it next week after your ultrasound. Yeah, like you're not a member of the club yet. You yeah. Don't, you don't you, get to know. Or I don't want to stress you out because anxiety impacts pregnancy. And so she had this reaction of, I don't want to tell you bad news if this isn't actually bad news. But I was like, I fucking know it's bad news. I remember being very practical about it and thinking, well, we just need more information and we're going to get that information next week. Mm -hmm. And so the prudent thing to do here is to not dwell on what the possibilities could be, but to just kind of bookmark that. And I sort of trusted that the medical professionals would have given us the information that they knew. Mm. And it sounds like you you didn't believe that. I didn't believe that at all. I felt like they were keeping knowledge from me until they had confirmation of said knowledge. And that made me mad. Like, this is my body and this is my baby. I deserve to frickin' know. We could give you lots of reasons to support Labyrinths on Patreon, including ad-free episodes and exclusive patron-only content. But why not hear it direct from a listener? My name is Henry, and I've been a supporter of the Labyrinths podcast for some time. I can totally relate to the concept of feeling lost, and I think the stories have helped me tremendously getting through these last couple of years, and I think they would help others as well. Visit patreon.com slash Knox Robinson. So we went back in a week later. That week sucked waiting, Mm -hmm. and it hadn't grown. It didn't have a heartbeat. And um, that was confusing to me because I thought, why would there be a dead baby just hanging out in there? Yeah. Like, if it wasn't viable, why wasn't it 
going away. Like your body wasn't doing anything. My body didn't even know. And that felt weird to me, that something that your body is so in tune with, it didn't know. I didn't know that you could have a missed miscarriage. Just the knowledge that I didn't have about this, that first of all, miscarriages, they say they're common, but like you never hear about them. (laughs) And the fact that like your miscarriage can have so many different forms. I just figured that a miscarriage just kind of happens. Like it's not know, something that you bleeding you would start bleeding. Like yeah. the, and I wasn't bleeding. For all intents and purposes, I was pregnant with something that was just not growing. Right. And they were like, well, your body will probably figure it out sooner or later, but it could take weeks. And if you wait, it becomes a more invasive procedure. A DNC is more invasive than a pill-based miscarriage. Um, so they recommended that I induce it. And I remember they gave me two prescriptions. No, three prescriptions. One prescription was for the pill that I was going to ingest. Mm-hmm. The second was for the pill that I would insert into my vagina to make myself bleed. Mm. And then the third, it was pain medication. Mm. I remember you saying, I'm not going to need this. Yeah, even when the person was prescribing it to me, she was like, hey, so some people feel like they need this. And I was like, well, I'm not some people. (laughs) And she was like, well, just take it just in case. And I remember going to the pharmacy and not even being sure if I wanted to give them the prescription for the pain one because I was like, I don't know if I want crazy pain meds in my house. And like, I don't know, I just have like weird vibes about that. But I thought just in case, I'm sure it's probably just going to be an ibuprofen kind of thing, but like a bad period. And my periods aren't bad. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have my first bad period and it'll be an ibuprofen kind of deal. And I remember at the pharmacy picking up the stuff And the pharmacist has to ask you, have you ever used this before? Do you need help? And when I picked it up from the pharmacist, she looked at the sheet and she has said, I'm sorry. No. (laughs) Um, And I said, thanks. And she's like, have you ever done this before? And I said, no. And she said, it's straightforward. This is the one you ingest. This is the one that you put inside. And if you don't start bleeding, you should try again. And she sort of walked me through it. I felt like I couldn't talk. I was just very sort of short. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Going home from the visit, we stopped by my mom's. And your mom was there. And my mom, who's just like this ever bubbly personality, was like, how'd it go? And, you know, I had kept it together in the car on the way back. We were like kind of quiet. Yeah. But then as soon as she asked and it was your mom and my mom looking at me, I couldn't even say anything. I shook my head um, and then like had to run out the door. I remember your mom didn't say anything. She just kind of went, oh, and then tears filled her eyes. Um, 
And I could tell that she wanted to, like, hug me. And I just couldn't do that right then. I felt bad. Well, it's also COVID, and we're not supposed to... We're not supposed to hug each other. I went into the bathroom to take the pills. And then I just kind of laid on the bed and waited for something to happen. And I didn't take the pain medication. I thought that was absolute last resort, probably not going to need that kind of thing. And it took a half an hour before I felt anything. But abdominal pain like I've not experienced before. I was shaking. You're so usually tough. You don't take ibuprofen even. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to seeing you just kind of shirk things off. And you were crumpled. You were racked with pain and crumpled. And it was kind of shocking to me to see you that way. I didn't know what I could do. I just laid down next to you. Yeah, you tried to cuddle me. You were trying to, like, keep me warm because I was shaking. Yeah. And eventually I was like, I can't take this anymore. I need to take pain medication. So you went and got it for me, and I took some, and then it was like another half an hour before that kicked in, and I was able to stop just shaking from pain. And then for, like, two days, I was birthing blood, wads of blood, not like a period at all. Yeah, I wasn't in the bathroom when that was happening. I didn't see that. Was that emotional? So I'd read stories about people having to like go through the toilet and try to fish out the embryo. And I'm grateful that we didn't have to do that. But I do remember the biggest clump was about the size of a plum. There were smaller clumps that came out. And every time I went to the bathroom to do that, and I saw those clumps, I kept thinking, is that the baby? Is that the baby? Is that it? Um, Where is it? in all of this. And I did feel incredibly disappointed that that was the story of my first ever pregnancy. Most of the time when I think of someone's first ever pregnancy, I think of someone getting pregnant too soon and then having to decide, like, what do I do about this? And and so those are like traumatic stories as well, but that was not what I was expecting. You made it 33 years without ever accidentally getting pregnant. And I thought, like, I know exactly what I want to do with my first pregnancy. And to have it not come to fruition, not through choice, felt like a betrayal. Like, why? Do I have bad eggs and I just never knew? Am I actually too old? Did something happen to me while I was over in Italy? If it's not easy and you don't know why, then anything could be the problem. 
Yeah. And it's frustrating how little information you have at any point in the process. And then, you know, your period doesn't even come back. And they're also saying, you know, give yourself time. And I'm like, I don't want time. I want to get back on track. Yeah. Why can't my body just work? I mean, how did you feel when we were trying again? I mean, it feels like trying more mm. until you've failed at something. You don't know what it's like to lose. And we started off with an L. Yeah, that's hard. But I'm also the kind of person who takes failure as a impetus to try harder. I can't tell you how many short stories and poems that I submitted to magazines that got rejected. And I've got half a dozen unpublished novels sitting in files on my computer that no one would publish. I've failed a lot at a lot of things, at things that really matter to me and at things that I think I'm really good at. I have failed a lot. And I keep trying. So in a weird way, failing at that showed me what the stakes were. It told me that I could fail at this. Now I can fail better, as Samuel Beckett said. It made me more determined that procreation wasn't just this thing that was going to happen to us. It was a thing that we were going to have to work at. So... We got a little more paranoid about things. We started being a little bit more regimented about it. It did become work, right? Yeah. You know, I had been keeping track of my periods before, but now I'm keeping track of my periods and I'm keeping track of my ovulation and we are not touching a drop of alcohol. No excuses. Remove all variables. This is science now. <laughs> Which takes a little of the whimsical joy out of the whole process. Yeah, it's not just like a fun thing, which it was before. Like it was fun making the baby room and it was fun to like fuck like bunny rabbits. And when your period does come back and when we do get back on the rails, then it's like, okay, we're doing it. We're doing it right. Negative. 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 And months go by with negatives. So it's been a minute 54 since I started filming. I try not to be disappointed if it's negative. I'm trying not to freak out if it's positive. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's positive, though. No, I think it's probably time to look. Negative. So it's negative, I think. Yep. You feel like your wheels are spinning on grease, like maybe you're on the tracks, but like you're not going anywhere. And that could happen indefinitely. Yeah. And you don't know. Is it the case that somehow this miscarriage was a sign that some deeper thing is broken mm -hmm. and that it's not going to implant again and that we're just going to keep getting negative test after negative test. Yeah, it's hard to like hear your doctor say, and it's normal to be getting negatives for a while. And it's like, is it? 
what's different this month than last month? If I'm doing everything the same and last month I got negative and the month before that I got negative and I'm just I haven't changed any of my variables, why should I expect to succeed? How could this be so hard? We go through all this trouble for years of our lives, wearing condoms, taking birth control, and it seems like if you just slip up once, oh, crap, the condom broke. Better get a plan B just in case. Yeah. And then you're systematically doing everything possible, like even changing sex positions in order to get the best straight shot to the cervix. (laughs) Well, you're, you're laying in, elevating your hips for... 15 minutes afterwards, and and then it doesn't happen. And you have no idea why. But even as you obsessively grasp at every new chance at life, you remain haunted by the life that never was. Were you ever addressing it in your head as a name? Yeah, it was already our baby's name. As soon as I figured out that it wasn't alive, I very much immediately tried to divorce those two ideas in my head. That was not my baby. That was not my baby. It doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a name. That's the opposite of what some people do in this scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something um, somebody was telling me that really just sort of stayed with me. Well, she was like, that was your baby. It was just a baby that couldn't be your baby for very long. And it just was your baby for that amount of time. Yeah. Like, oh, we already had a baby. It just was only six weeks old. Who's that baby? I don't know. I don't know who that baby was. I don't know if I'll ever know. It's a weird thought. Yeah. We sat with the miscarriage for a while, trying and failing to be okay. And then one day, on a whim, I reached out on social media, and the responses flooded in. We had felt so alone, but we weren't alone in feeling alone. It felt like I was the only one going through it. It was a new definition of loneliness. I had this internal rage against pregnant women. Why can't it be me? When is it going to be me? Like, when is it going to be my turn? And every time people would announce their pregnancy, it would be like someone just kicking me in the stomach. The texts are always very quiet. They don't say anything. They have that look on their face that something's wrong, but they're not telling you. And that's when it hit me like, okay, this isn't normal. Okay, something is wrong. And that's when I just started to bawl at the doctor's office. We were like, she's dead, she's dead. And not something you can post about on Facebook and get congratulations over. It's just this totally private, bloody birth. My own body was betraying me. Like you're defective in some way. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like there's obviously something wrong with me. I had people. PCOS. PCOS. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. They found I had endometriosis. Severe endometriosis. Unexplained infertility. Why is this happening to me? Am I being punished? It was just deep shame that I should have known that like I wasn't gonna have a baby. I'm probably never gonna be a mom. How do you continuously motivate to keep trying something that you constantly fail at? I'm ready to be a mom and to start a family. If I don't have that, 
I will never get over it. I'm just point blank telling you, I will never get over that. I really like the title of this podcast because it is probably the most lost I've ever felt. It truly feels like a maze. The fertility labyrinths these people shared with us not only brought us comfort, but they were acts of bravery. Each person choosing to share something so often kept hidden out of propriety or tradition or fear. So we are going to share this wealth of suffering and perseverance and loss and hope with you. The stories that make up the next few episodes of this infertility miniseries are intimate and painful, and we'll be keeping the speakers anonymous. And to start, we'll be focusing on stories of pregnancy loss. I was actually in a meeting when I started bleeding. And I miscarried almost right away. And I had another miscarriage, and then I had another miscarriage. I just felt like I was just close to a nervous breakdown. If you care about this subject, and if you want to support this podcast, please get lost with us. Find us on Twitter, at ManUnderBridge. At Amanda Knox. And please post on social media and give us a five-star rating. We can only continue to bring you these stories thanks to listener support on Patreon. So thank you to our patrons. This episode was written, edited, and sound designed by us with theme music by Josh Budo Karp. In the Labyrinth's podcast system, the listener is serenaded by two separate but equally important hosts, Amanda Knox, who brings authenticity and empathy, and Christopher Robinson, who brings intellectual curiosity. These are their stories. What do you think, Knox? Looks like a podcast junkie shot up with one too many ads. Should have become a patron from the looks of it. Who wouldn't prefer ad-free episodes and signed books and live video hangouts over overdosing on ads in an alleyway? Don't patronize me, Knox. Leave that to the listener. Visit patreon.com slash Knox Robinson.